We had a very interesting service last night. If you were here, um, touched on a particular word that we looked at the origin of it, and it's called iniquity. Um, one of the things I tried to draw our attention to last night was that when Jesus returns back to this earth, as Matthew chapter 24 says, and if you want to have turn with me in your Bibles, we look at some of these areas. The entire Old Testament was written for the benefit of the Jews, basically. And God, in his wisdom, saw it would be a blessing to us that we reach back in and trace the history of the Jews. And today we can build a foundation on some of these concepts. But basically the Old Testament was written for the Jews. It was, and when I say it was written for the Jews, it was not written in English. I've got an English Bible in front of me. And unfortunately, there might have been words changed, terminologies adjusted, um, history tampered with a little. And so I said last night in the service that the Holy Spirit that inspired men to write and to speak thousands of years ago should inspire us today that we might be able to represent God right. And because the Bible was written in two parts, first of all, the Old Testament was made up of 39 pieces of documents, 39 scrolls, 39 pieces of documents, and spaced out during a period of time. Uh, the New Testament, 27 pieces of manuscripts, and that was also spaced out during a period of time. I need God to help me to understand what the Bible really says. I think I like my Bible. I think I pretty well know uh, basically what the Bible teaches, but I need God to help me to understand because I'm looking at a manuscript that did not exist 2,000 years ago. When the early church started approximately 2,000 years ago, there was no New Testament. But we call that early church the New Testament church. And so last night we were trying to look at some of these origins. And today I would like to touch on a few things that is very important. Last night we looked at a scripture, in, first of all, in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 7. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 24 just for a moment. And here in Matthew 24, Jesus with his disciples, he was a Jew. The disciples were all Jews. They came to him in chapter 24 and they said, Lord, um, when Jesus went out and his disciples came on the Mount of Olives, and as he sat upon the Mount, verse 3, 
He sat upon the mount, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Now, I've got an Oxford Bible, and it's the King James translation, but it's an Oxford Bible, very expensive, one of those expensive books. And this is my fifth Oxford Bible. And in the middle, there's a center column reference that tells you when the King James translators did not do justice to a particular translation. And instead of saying, tell us what shall be these things and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world, the center column says the consummation of the age. In other words, when this world is coming to a close. Now for years, we have preached the Lord Jesus is coming back soon. As a matter of fact, uh, the early church apostles were told he's coming back soon. I'm still waiting. And I'm sure you are still waiting. Uh, when they say come back soon, I believe the translation meant come back suddenly. When no one expects in a time that you think not the Son of Man will come. And so as Jesus went on here, he talked to his disciples. He warns here in verse 4. We're talking approximately 2,000 years ago. He says, take heed, verse 4, that no man deceive you. For many, the word many was used last night. Broad is the way that lead to destruction and many go in thereat. Straight is the gate that leadeth to life and few there be to find it. Jesus said this in the commencement, just prior to the commencement of the church. He says, many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. We see the word many repeating itself. Are you with me here today? All right. Many shall come, not saying they are Christ. They come saying, Jesus is Christ. And as I look at the world today, and I look at our city, and I look at our organization, and I look at the many, many denominations around the world, everyone says Jesus is Christ. You would not find a church in this city that wouldn't say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Christ. But... Matthew chapter 7 tells us that many would say, Lord, Lord, in that day, and he would say, I never knew you. When we think about the seriousness of the time we are living in, we cannot take for granted that the possibility is there that we could also be deceived. We cannot let our guards down. We have to be reading the Bible defensively. We have to believe in God defensively. In other words, is it possible that a person could be deceived? Today I'd like to tell you that, and we're getting into Matthew in a second here, but I'd like to tell you that as I read the Old Testament, coming from Genesis and through the books of Moses, and then coming through the the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, 
and the minor prophets. Israel, the nation of Israel, or we can say the Jews, had a history of being contrary to God. And when Isaiah came in Isaiah, the first chapter, Isaiah declared that Israel was a nation full of iniquity. And so we played with that word last night. And I trust that we comprehend it. And I appreciate Brother Joe putting these things together and posting it online so it can remain as a record for us to look into. Paul made a statement. He says, whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scripture, might have hope. And so when I'm looking at the history of the Jews, this Bible would have been a very slim book. Very slim. If it was only written about people that were perfect. The reason why Isaiah spent that tremendous time talking in the book of Isaiah was because he came to people that were in error, contrary to God. And so Jesus made this statement, and we're going back into Isaiah in a minute. He says, many shall come in my name saying, Jesus is Christ. Don't believe him. Because, did you remember the terminology I used last night? That Jesus could be used as cheese on a mousetrap. Uh, how you catch a little mouse with a piece of cheese and a mousetrap. The name Jesus is used today as a means of capturing people. And we can have a church here today and we can feel like we've got God. And we can sing nice songs and we can have a band that plays and preaching that goes on and people testify. What does God think? What you and I think is important to us. What does God think when he looks down at this church today? When he looks down at the way we worship God, what does he think? We sang a song about worship today. Which one was that? I worship you. Put that up on the... I'm going to take my time and talk to you today. Is that okay? You know, I got a little raspy voice, so I can't push it too hard. It says, I worship you. Lord, I worship you. Everybody lift your hands and say, just say it. Lord, I worship you. Okay, thanks. Jesus said, this people draw nigh to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips. But their hearts... Are far from me. We can sing that song. I worship you. And don't mean a single verse that we sing. Because worship. Comes from the heart. And I don't have to say a single thing to God. For him to know that I honor him. And I worship him. And this is the problem that we have because Israel did this for thousands of years. They worshiped the Lord with their lips and their mouths. And they did the mechanics of religion. But God was displeased with their method 
and the way they worship God. Is it important how we worship God? Is it important how we conduct the service? Well, back there, the Lord laid principles and he made commandments for Israel to worship him. And yet, leave Matthew 24, we're coming back there later on, but we're going back to Isaiah and we've been dealing with these scriptures over and over and over. In Isaiah, the first chapter, when Isaiah came and we, we touched this lightly last night, here's a prophet coming to a nation that is supposed to be God's chosen people. I met a Muslim lady, a Palestinian lady last week. And um, she works in the Dollarama store on Lakeshore. And I said to her, I said, Kifa, where are you from? And she says, I'm from Palestine. And I said, I'm so sorry for the destruction of lives and what's going on in Palestine. And I said, you might look at me and I'm a Christian. So I'm supposed to be pro-Israel. I said, I'm not pro-Israel. I'm not pro-Palestine. I'm not pro-Israel. I'm just plain pro-humanity. I live in life and anyone that needs God, I'm there for you. You can be Hindu, you can be a Muslim, you can be an atheist. If you suddenly feel your need for God, I'd like to be there for you. You might be handsome, you might be ugly. You might be rich, you might be poor. Does not matter. As humanity, we should be there for each other. We should be there for people. We should not love to see people suffer. And I told her that because as a Christian, people expect me to be pro-Israel. I'm not pro-Israel. I'll be pro-Israel when they turn to God. I'll be pro-Israel when Jesus returns and, and, and saves the nation of Israel. It's a great history. There's a lot of things to be said about this. And so here was a man. His name was Isaiah. And he's coming down to visit God's people. The chosen. And back there, the prophet never lived close by to the temple. The priests, they lived in the temple. The pastors and the priests, they live in the temple close by. You know, you see them every day. But when you see someone is coming in from out of town and you see he's walking down and he's got a staff in his hand and he's walking down. And you said, oh my God, that's the prophet Isaiah. He's coming. In today's world, and you know, I might be critical and people are critical of me, but that's okay. Um, if we're going to have a meeting, we need to put on the internet nice posters and advertise the brothers coming. That's why I don't like to go to meetings. I'm not a movie star. Don't advertise me because you tell the people he's coming to tell you exactly what you need to hear to change your life. I'm not going to entertain anyone. I don't feel God called me to entertain you in this assembly. 
And so when they looked that day and they saw Isaiah coming down, everybody said, praise the Lord, he's coming. No. no. They said, oh my God, the prophet is coming and he only shows up when he's going to tell us things we do not like to hear. And Isaiah came and you think, okay, well, this man is going to come and you've got to tell him the nice things first and then the bad things later. Let's find out how he approaches this people. He says, verse 3, verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken, and the Lord hath said, I have nurtured, nourished thee, nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. God says, I chose you all. I called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to start forming this nation. And the is nation of Israel was formed. God says, I've nurtured you. I kept you in the wilderness. I provided for you. I did all kinds of things for you. And you have rebelled against me. Rebellion was a common element in the nation of Israel up to this day. If I go to Israel and start telling them that Jesus came to save them from their sins, they will persecute me. And so Isaiah said in verse 3, he says, the ox know it his owner. He says, you know, the old cow down the street, he is smart because when he sees his owner, he knows his owner. He says, and the donkey, I'm not using the word ass, it's Bible says ass, but I prefer to say donkey. Parents, isn't that a better word? The donkey knows his master's crib. Is this how you're introducing yourself, Isaiah? Yes. He's not Dale Carnegie. He's not a man that comes here now to pat your rebellion on the head and says, cute. Now he says, the ox know it is owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. And here is the problem. He says, ah, sinful nation. See, we can read the Bible and see whatever we want. But the Bible has a history that we need not to ignore. But Thomas told us today, we cannot ignore reality. And he says, a people laden with iniquity. Now the word iniquity comes, and last night we, we checked the origin of that word. I, I told you last night how I like to check the origin of things. I check the origin of everything. Um... Everything almost. And when you find out something, you want to say, where did that come from? Where did Halloween come from? Where did Valentine's Day come from? Chandra, you going to be my Valentine this year? <laughs> yes. You know, as Christians, we want to play with society and dance with the music of society. 
and we don't really care what God thinks. We say, I worship you, but we don't really worship him. When we worship God, we put him on the highest pedestal in our lives. And I'm thinking today that Israel did the mechanics of religion. Let's find out what they did. He says, a people laden with iniquity, right? But go on further on here. He said in verse 5, why should I be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head, the leaders in Israel, he says, the whole head is sick and the heart is faint. He's getting, almost getting a heart attack, spiritually speaking. He says, from the sole of the foot. Isaiah, come on. You're just visiting us and that's your introduction? Yes. When the prophet came to visit a church or an assembly or a work of God back there, he did not need you to prepare dinners for him. Somebody was asking me, Brother Singh, you were supposed to do a surgery. What happened? You remember? Do you all know I was supposed to do a surgery? Yes, yeah. Well, I don't want to do a surgery if the whole world is getting busy about my surgery. So I chuck it in for now. And one day when you hear, did you get a surgery? Yes, I did. Because I don't want to make a big fuss out of something that's not taking my life. That's me. I'm so accustomed being like a prophet, enjoy the pleasure of my own company. You just keep on praying for me whether I do surgery or not. Keep on praying. I appreciate that. Back to Isaiah. And so Isaiah is telling the people, he says, the Lord says, verse 11, I'm skipping a few verses purposely. He says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Now, here is the nation. God wanted sacrifices. He ordained that they should, when for their sin, they should offer sacrifices for their sin. A lamb without blemish must be offered. And whatever was happening in Israel was a type that is brought over to our day. And we can look at it. Jesus was a type of that lamb that was slain. And so Israel came together and they went into the temple and they brought offerings to knock you over. The sacrifices were much. The Lord says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord. He says, I'm full of your burnt offerings. Of rams and the fat of fed beasts. He says, I did not, delight not in the blood of bullocks and of lambs and he goats. You see, when you made a sacrifice, you think God was a vampire? He wanted some blood. No, the sacrifice was not doing anything for God. It was doing something for you. He says, I'm, I want a sacrifice. Look in your flock and take the best little lamb. The one without blemish. And I want you to sacrifice that to me. What a God. I 
My grandson told me one time, Timothy said, he says, I can't understand God really. Why he want all these people dead and flood the whole world and kill them all. I can't really understand God. I said, in time you'll understand, I do. And I told him, I said, there are lessons, and I told this church, the lessons I have to teach, that this church is not ready to listen to it yet. But am I upset with God because he burned down the whole Jericho? No, I know I did. And if he did not do that, Jericho would have perverted the cities around it. I know I did. Why did he kill the ant uh, flood the world and the antediluvians die? I know I did. And one time I put a lesson in and the brother says, you, you mean you believe in that? I say, yes, I do. Because my Bible, I believe the book. I believe a little bit here and a little bit there. I believe God has a purpose in everything he does. And he says here, the Lord says all this. Were they bringing offerings to the Lord? Wasn't that a good thing they did? Yes. Can I hear you? Yes. You know I'm 74 and I don't hear too good. So you got to speak up. Bringing all these burnt offerings and sacrifices, was that good? Yes. yes. And he goes on here, he says, when you come before, appear before me, who would require this at your hand to come to church? Did they go to church? Yes. They're not like us. Half the church is missing today. They came to church. They did not look for a reason not to. They found a reason to. And he goes on here. He says, bring no more vain oblations. Were they burning incense? He says, the incense becomes an abomination unto me. He says, when you have a special meeting, the new moons... And the Sabbaths and the calling of special meetings. Aware with it. He says stop the conventions. It is. The word comes back again. Iniquity. You see iniquity. Is anything that is done. In worship and honor to God. That God has not approved. And the origin of iniquity was with the devil. He was perfect in beauty. Until iniquity was found in him. When God said I want you to work a certain way. He decided to leave his own habitation. And become something else that God did not want. And what Israel did, they had the mechanics of religion, but iniquity got in there and twisted their form of worship to please themselves and not please God. All right? Follow me here today. Very important that you follow me today. When we twist, it almost looked like the right thing, but when we twist what God wants... Into what we think it should be. It is a form of iniquity. And when Jesus comes back. He will say to the, those that say. Lord, Lord. We have prophesied in your name. He said depart from me. You that work iniquity. 
The reason why Jesus died, he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. And today, my greatest desire is to seek God and ask God to give me direction how we should have a worship service. How we should run the church. Because when I look at the history of the Old Testament, Israel passed on misconceptions from generation to generation. And this is one prophet talking about it. He says... When you spread forth your hand, verse 15, he says, when you spread forth your hand, I will hide my face. Now I ask myself the question, when we sing, we, I worship you, Lord, I worship you. Did he listen or did he shut his ears? Did God listen to us? Was that singing for us or for God? See, it's a question. Did he close his ears and hide his face from what we were doing? If he did that to Israel, you think we can, us Gentiles converted, uh, we can just come and give God anything and he'll accept it? When you feel happy, does not mean God is pleased. A lot of what we do and a lot of what we sing and a lot of what we carry on in church is for our personal pleasure. God has no pleasure in it. We're looking at Israel. His own people. The apple of his eyes that continuously twisted things around and God did not accept it. I'm going to finish this scripture here. It says, the Lord says, when you spread forth your hand, I will hide mine eyes from you. And when you make many prayers, were they? They're not like us. We don't even pray. They made many prayers. You see, it's one thing to pray prayers. It's another thing just to say prayers. So brother saying you like the Muslims. No, I really don't like, I like people. When a Muslim prays five times a day, is that a good thing for a Muslim? Yes, it's a good thing for a Muslim. I wish we could pray five times a day. Is this prayer getting answered? No. And what we do ain't getting answered either. But I know there's coming a time when the line, prayer line that's lined up in church will not go back like they came in Jesus' name. God could heal. And he could deliver. And I've seen him work miracles. And I believe he has not changed, but we have brought much iniquity into the work of God that's hindering the progress of God's work. So saying prayers and praying prayers are two different things altogether. May God teach us how to pray. And so Isaiah condemned them in their religious activity. And if you stood by and looked at Israel, 
you would say these are real dedicated people. As far as the heaven is above the earth, and the east is far from the west, Isaiah said, so far are God's ways from man's ways. My greatest desire is to see this church come to a place where we can please God, not just please ourselves. We can obey God, not obey what we want, and eliminate iniquity from our midst. I want to turn your attention to a little scripture here. I said a little scripture. Um... Before I get to this one, let's get back to Matthew 25. Uh, Matthew 25, and let me put that to rest. Matthew 20, 24, sorry. Uh, when Jesus said, and he tells the people, many false prophets shall come in his name, saying there, he is Christ. And he tells us of wars and rumors of wars in verse 6 and 7, nation rising against nation, pestilence in the earth. We are looking at a scripture being fulfilled to its maximum in our day. I'll read it. And many shall come in my name, verse 5, saying I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these shall come to pass, but the end is not yet. A nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, our day, pestilence, all kinds, Earthquakes in diverse places, all kinds. Sister Chandra's got an app on her phone that's called Quake Feed. Is that the right app? Yes. Quake Feed. And I'm sitting and talking to her and suddenly here, peep. I said, what's that? She said, another word, quake somewhere in the world. Anytime there's an earthquake, her phone beeps. She's an earthquake monitor. It beeps every day. It beeps every day. And the last beep was Hawaii. And Hawaii is made up of islands that rose from the sea. And it wouldn't be a shocker if they descend back into the sea. So I'm not going to go to Hawaii to live. And Jesus went on here. He says... Verse 8, these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 11, many false, many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And the verse 12, during this period of time that we're living in, that Jesus spoke about, he says, an iniquity shall abound. Iniquity is not found in the tavern. Iniquity... Is not found in the casinos. Iniquity is not in the bad houses. Iniquity is found in the church. The work of God as Israel did when they twisted what God wanted and did their own slant to it. It was iniquity and God judged them for it. Isaiah came because of iniquity. Jeremiah came because of iniquity. All the prophets that God sent to Israel was because the nation, ever so often, they slide back into doing their own stuff. That is why when you get excited, don't come tell the pastor how to run the church. 
I will never listen to you. You see, Samir, why they want to fire me? Why they need to fire me? I never listen to... You know, my head does the thinking, not my feet. Someone said democracy is when the tail wags the dog. Who wags what? The dog wags the tail or the tail wags the dog? The dog wags the tail. Democracy is when the feet tells the head what to do. The work of God when the kingdom of God is established like brother Thomas said. It will not be democracy. It will not be communism. It will not be socialism. It will be a theocracy where God governs. And the law of God will go forth from Jerusalem into all the earth. And the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And when the knowledge of God, the genuine knowledge of God covers the earth, it brings peace. And no one would fight against his neighbor. We'd love and dwell in harmony for the rest of the kingdom of God. And it goes on here, because iniquity shall abound. Many children of God would not know how to love God. We say we love him, but it's not really. We say we worship, but it's not really worshiping him. I want to turn your attention to a little incident here in Leviticus. And in the, I don't know if I ever took this church into Leviticus, but Leviticus, the 10th chapter. And here is an example, and there are many, many examples that the Bible has that can be a type and an influence for us to learn from. Israel coming out of Egypt is a type of the church coming out of the world. Jesus, the lamb slain in the Old Testament, is a type of Jesus uh, dying for the sins of the world. When John the Baptist looked at him, he says, Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And as we learn lessons from types and shadows of the Old Testament, we can apply some of this to our lives today. And here in Leviticus, the 10th chapter, Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. They were working in the priesthood. Now listen to me very carefully. This was in the temple. These boys were sons of the priest. And when they came, God had a way that he wanted them to worship. He wanted them to make the sacrifice. He wanted them to do things according to his dictates, not according to what they felt. Now, there was a problem here. Because these boys took their censers and put fire therein to burn incense thereof. And they offered unto God a strange fire. Everybody says strange fire. See, strange. So strange fire is something, well, I, I don't like this boring fire. I need to put a little 
action into it. I don't know how to worship God in, in modesty and sobriety. I want us to bring some rhythm into the church. Is that what God wants? No. See, the Lord said, reverence my sanctuary. And we could be a regular Pentecostal church and everybody, you know, move. No, not in this church. We used to do that. And if you got a little hip, and you like to put the lip and the hip together, don't try it in here. I'll stop you. Because here, we worship a great king. And we sing mag majestic songs to the king. And one day I'll have a man saved enough to play those drums soberly. The only reason why they're there, I love, I love Burgundy. You, know, you should figure that by now, right? And he's sitting there, and Brother Raleigh does a good job sometimes there. But the moment this, we get into that frenzy, that we start to get into something that is contrary to what was in the New Testament church and what I think was God's order, we will be under the judgment of God. Iniquity will take over. So these boys, they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. See, when the Lord says right side of the boat, he meant right side. When he told Naaman, dip seven times in the river Jordan, he meant seven, not six and a half. And Jesus said, fill six water pots. Well, seven like a better number. No, no, don't fix, fill seven, six. When he told Joshua, march around Jericho one time <coughs> for, for, for seven days, one time each day, <coughs> excuse me, for seven days, and then on the seventh day, seven times. Don't let the guys carrying the swords and spears in front, let the priest the, carry them in front. And then on the seventh time, start to praise God and the walls will collapse. Scientists have come up with all kinds of reasons why the walls collapse. Vibrations. Well, read this for me. Read verse, chapter 10, verse 1 for me. And verse 2. <coughs> verse 2. While these boys are worshiping God in the temple and they're offering strange fire, it says there came a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord right in the temple. You remember when Uzzah stretched forth his hand to hold the ark and he died because he was not supposed to? Well, it says, and Moses and Aaron, then said Moses to Aaron, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them. I will be sanctified in them that they come nigh and before all the people I'll be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called the, the bottom, oh, verse 6. 
And Moses said unto Aaron, unto Eleazar, and unto Isamar, his sons, uncover not your head. Don't mourn for these boys. Imagine we have service, and two brothers get up to do something, and God killed them. And they drop dead. If that happens today, we government will close the church down. But do you know it happens spiritually? People die spiritually because they want to introduce something into the church that is not supposed to be there. They offer strange fire and that comes into the church and God will kill them. Well, it says here, the Lord says you can't bewail them. And the Lord says, you shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, now listen to me carefully. What, what, what do you mean strange fire? It would have been nice if the Lord described that a little more. But it was not described. They just offer strange fire. And you ask yourself, why is it that these boys died? Did they put color in the fire? How could a fire be strange? And so immediately after the Lord said, verse 8, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, the boy's dad, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink. Thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. I'm going to tell you what happened that day. They were drunk. When those boys came in, they had some wine, some booze or whatever. And they came on in and they were drunk coming into the temple of God to offer sacrifice. And whatever they were doing was strange fire because they were intoxicated. Now I've got 10 minutes to finish this lesson. Whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. This lesson here today that we're looking back and seeing a couple of boys, sons of the priests, that got drunk and God killed them because the fire became strange fire. God could not honor that. They were drunk. Today, we don't necessarily have to drink wine. But I ask myself, are we drunk and intoxicated with traditionalism and the wine of our fornication has penetrated our minds and brought us to where we are today. We might not be literally drunk, but we are drunk, but not with wine. We stagger, but not with strong drink. Scripture we looked at last night. Today, there is a spirit in society that apostate Christianity is promoting that is under the influence of a system that God will destroy because mankind is spiritually intoxicated. Now, I ask myself the question. Jesus told the people in his days, he says, your fathers 
They eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. He says, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. When you talk about my ancestors, yeah, that's what Jesus said. He says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. And so I ask myself today, what do we offer in church? What do we have in this fellowship that is influenced by a spiritual intoxication from an apostate society, from years of drunkenness, spiritually speaking, that we bring it into church. And so it's a question I'd like to ask. Have our fathers inherited lies and things wherein there is no profit? If Israel's, the people's father for the nation of Israel had passed on lies onto them, and ever so often they get intoxicated, literally, and offer strange fire. My question today, do we offer strange fire? So I ask this question all the time. When I go to a, men, to a convention and we have the music all prepared and everybody's getting set for a convention, and the meeting is over and people come from that meeting and it says, we had a great meeting. What made it great? What made it great? Well, the music. What made it great? The dancing. Uh-huh. Where did we get those traditions from? That God ordained that this fellowship and our church should hold on to tradition that comes from pagan religions? I don't think so. If we are to present to Christ a church without spot or wrinkle, then the measurements of the church, the temple must be measured, the altar must be measured, and the people that worship therein must be measured. We are to pray and ask God on a daily basis that he help us and direct us. That we don't just grab traditions because it's passed on to us. But we focus on what God wants. And we can't get that except we pray and seek after God. If what we do in this sanctuary makes you happy, ask yourself the question. Is it strange fire? It, if, if it is strange fire, it will cause you to die spiritually. And there will be no future spiritual survival that we'll enjoy. It's a very serious message. Because I believe God's killing people on a daily basis. Spiritually. Because we do all kinds of stuff. Because they do it out there in religion. We bring it on in. And we have that. And so I asked, I asked some of the pastors. Some years ago. I said brothers. Where did we get the dancing from? They said David danced. 
One brother told me, David danced before the Lord. I said, he danced naked almost. I said, any brother in my church that starts to strip his clothes off and start dancing naked, we take him and lock him in the bathroom. David danced in a ceremonial way. They never danced in the temple. They never danced in the temple. They never disrespected the sanctuary. And so you ask yourself, why do we have to major on the minors? Why do we have to get a substitute brought into the church and feel that's what God wants? I believe God is an honorable God. He's a great king. And when we worship him, we must worship him like he dictates, not what we want. We should trace the origin of what's passed on to us and find out if our fathers inherited lies somewhere. Is it possible? Well, I just told you the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament has a nation of Israel, God's people that went contrary to God over and over and over. And if you really want to check the history, read the book of Judges. When God brought them out of Egypt, that was one captivity. They went back into, into slavery. They went back into bondage. They went back into captivity. Over and over and over, God's people sometimes never learn. So today, as we endeavor to build this assembly with God's help, you need to pray for your pastor, not for my surgery. Pray that God will give me wisdom and strength that I might give leadership to this assembly. We might not be a large crowd, but guess what? We want God to direct our steps and to guide us. That we're not involved in offering God strange fire. It's not the noise. It's not the dancing. It's not the music. It's the commitment and dedication to God that we need to understand. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you today for this another day in your house. Lord, if we are offering strange fire, would you please forgive us and direct our steps in the future that we will only endeavor to please you, Father. Please, oh God, help us, we pray. We commit the future of this assembly and the future of this fellowship before you, Father. Lord, if you fail to help us, we'll be lost forever. As Israel was over and over again, Father, we'll go back into our own form of iniquity and idolatry. Save us from iniquity today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, praise the Lord. We got enough time, just time to receive the offering. Next week, Saturday, we are hoping to have snacks after church on Saturday night. We, have a, we might have a little program. I'm not sure what we're doing. We might have a little program. It's not a major year. It's our 44th, 44th year. Next year would be 45, but it's like a, you know, a major year, kind of. 
So on next Saturday after church, we'll finish, get church started at 6.30, and by 7 o'clock we'll be done. And we'll go to the back to have some fellowship, some snacks. The sisters will be pre preparing some snacks for, for us to have a little time of fellowship, remembering the years that God has helped us here while we came in Canada, uh, 1980, 44 years ago. And so if you're pleased to join us, we'll appreciate you staying back and join us for a little time of fellowship. Right now, let's get a number from the band and let's worship God with our offerings. Amen. Yeah, touch my heart. Yeah. 